Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Blue Wire. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited to be joined today by manager of social engagement at The Athletic, Olivia Witherite. Olivia talks about the importance of prioritizing yourself, the keys to developing a strong social media strategy, and the importance of putting your team in a position to succeed. She also discusses representation, how it has improved, and how far we still have to go. This episode is fun, inspiring, and is filled with incredible insight. So listen, subscribe, rate, review, and enjoy. Olivia, thank you so much for joining me today for Get My Job. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. This is going to be fun. Uh, So I'm going to have you jump right in and have you start really the way I have pretty much everyone start in taking us through your professional journey. Yes. So I actually started at Masson, which is the regional network for the Orioles and the Nationals uh, when I was in college. So I started off as an intern and was able to really rise through the ranks there. I loved my time there working around baseball. It's my favorite sport. And I actually left as a senior director at the end of 2019 and moved to The Athletic, where I am uh, now. Fantastic. So you said baseball is your favorite sport. It's for me, it's like always a very close tie between it and football, but you follow me on Twitter. So, you know, I love the Dodgers. Are yeah. you still a big Nats and Orioles fan? Do you have a different favorite team? Yeah. So I grew up in Maryland, so I'm actually a really okay. big Orioles fan. And it's kind of funny because when I worked there, I sort of lost the fandom a little bit, you know, when you're mm-hmm. working really long hours or you're doing something where you need to be more objective. So now that I am out of it, I'm like all back in. <laughs> right oh, that's awesome when they're bad but that's okay that's okay but that's that's awesome I actually lived in DC for a while so um attended some Orioles and Nats games so that nice. was that was pretty fun okay so you are now at The Athletic you are the manager of social engagement we've had people on this podcast who manage social media will you explain to us the difference between the manager of social media and the manager of social engagement sure so they're pretty similar but at The Athletic we really take a lot of pride in our content, right? So we mm-hmm. are really facilitating what that looks like between journalists and then out to uh, our followers and things like that. So I handle a lot more social strategy, whereas at my old job, I handled a lot more of day-to-day execution and things like that. So a little bit more of a strategy-based role than uh, in my past where I was managing day-to-day social, but a lot of carryover and a lot of crossover there too. So when you're putting together essentially like a strategic plan for social, uh, for lack of a better term, or maybe that really is the term, what are some of the keys to making sure you're putting together a strategy that's authentic to your brand, authentic, authentic to your followers, et cetera? Right. I think you really nailed it. I think the first and foremost thing is that you need to really be true to the brand that you're representing. So 
Mm-hmm. A lot of times when I see really good examples of social media and things that people like, a lot of times it kind of gets into that group thing where everyone wants to be sort of the same on social, whether it's mm-hmm. like really snarky or whatever it might be. But I think it's really important that you're representing your brands and their values right away. And then um, beyond that, like just as important is make sure you always remember who you're speaking to. So that's really big for me and was definitely a change from my old job to where I'm at now is more of a national audience. Whereas before I had a really good relationship with local audiences in Baltimore and DC. So really make sure that you're conscious of who your audience is and that you never forget that for literally every single update and every uh, single plan that you're putting together. Would you give that advice to just someone's personal social media as well? I would. So I actually have this sort of thing and I kind of tell everybody when I'm talking to people who want to break into the industry or other writers that I work with is uh, start with like who you think you are on social or who you would want to be. And then from there, pick like three or four things that you want to be known for or that you think your audience likes. So for me, I talk a lot about social media, right? On my, mm-hmm. on my social, because that's what I do. Or, uh, the Orioles or baseball in general. So once I sort of have those key topics down, I think it's easier for me to say like, okay, if I put this out, I think it'll resonate with my audience on a personal level. And if I want to put something out that's not really related to that, that's okay. But I might not see the same return or really speaking to the people that I've tried to build a community with. And it is interesting um, when working in social media, personal social media, it is an interesting experiment. Like I know at times I posted something, I'm like, this is going to do great. People are going to love it. And it really doesn't. And then I post something that's like blows up and I'm like, Oh, that's, I just, I, I just did not know, but that can happen like once in a while, but then you kind of have to take that information and channel it back into what you're saying. Totally. And it is like, some social media is just luck, right? Too like sometimes yeah. I'll post something and it'll get a good amount of engagement, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that was like the silliest, dumbest tweet or whatever it is. And then I'll put something out that I think is funny or interesting or whatever, and it doesn't really get a lot. So a lot of it's timing, and definitely some of it's luck too. But it's all fun. <laughs> so are you kind of when you look at your strategy and and look at like you know daily, weekly, monthly engagement? Are you in the weeds in terms of performance and numbers or do you feel like, and I think this is like an important thing for people listening is, is sometimes that like, okay, this is our strategy and we have to give it time. Like we have to give it six months and just see what happens. Or do you need to pivot quickly if it's just not working? I think it could be either. It is really important to look at numbers and analytics and data and also uh, the audience that you're trying to reach. But I think part of it, too, is just seeing immediate response. That's, like, my favorite part and my least Mm -hmm. favorite part about working at socials. Like, I mean, mean, I'm human, right? So I'll make mistakes. And, like, let me tell you, people will let you know if you've made a mistake or... They sure will. (laughs) (laughs) Or a typo or whatever it is. It's uh, There's a lot of people out there who are ready to kind of pounce on that. So, but with the flip side of that is you can really see when something resonates with people, right? So... I, I think it can be definitely a mix of both. You definitely need to give things time and see how they'll play out and sort of sh- stick to what you know and what you've prepared, but then also be flexible too. That's like the good about social media compared to some other mediums where once you put it out, you can't really take it back or pivot. Mm-hmm. Quickly. So that's something that I really like. It keeps you on your toes. 
Though you bring up an interesting point about social media because you certainly, in terms of a strategy or how you do your content, you can totally pivot and be flexible. But the flip side of that is also once you put something out there, it's out there. Um, How do you in your position and also probably in your personal, but maybe start within your position at The Athletic, make sure that you and your team are never crossing that line because you know, sometimes, like I said, once it's out there, you can delete it, but someone has screenshot it. Oh yeah. There, nothing is, <laughs> nothing is deleted. No DMs are private. That's one thing that I've learned, but I think it's just really important that you have good framework and structure in line. So whether that's brand guidelines or good leadership or style guides, things like that. So that when you do have a team of people working under you, you know, that they're equipped with what they need to succeed. Uh, And then, like I said, yeah, nothing is really private. Uh, I wish, I wish sometimes that you could take things back and that's the end of it. Right. But just Mm -hmm. making sure that people are prepared and in a position to succeed is really important. And I think something that's gotten even more important over my career, because when I started, it was a lot of times it was just me or a really small team. So it was kind of easy to guide things when everything's in your mind, but now I've really had to make sure that things are more on paper and that I'm communicating uh, better than I ever have before because we have a growing team, which is fun. And how difficult is it to let go of some the reins sometimes? That is a really, really great question. And it's something <laughs> I've been working on. Uh, it's definitely gotten easier, but it's like... Um, I think it's probably like when a kid is riding a bike and you're like, Oh my gosh, you're so afraid to let go. And then you do and It's totally fine because Mm -hmm. you know, you put people in a position to succeed. But for me, it was really tough, especially when I was working it with the Orioles and the nationals, because I just really loved talking to those fan bases. Like it was Mm -hmm. just fun for me. And I felt a really actual strong personal connection with a lot of people that I still have. So for me to give that up was sort of cutting off a communication channel for me. But now that I've had the opportunity to do so and take a step back, I really uh, take pride in it. And I think it's, and I still push send on tweets and do things like that in the day to day. But I think it really is important that people who work in social full time um, have that strong enough foundation so that when they leave a job or when they hire more people or whatever it is, that there's a seamless transition because uh as much as I loved my job and took pride in it like it wasn't about me right so I think like that's right that can it kind of can feel that way almost when you have this audience that you're working with with the brands but the more seamless it can look and the less that people can call out if you push send on that tweet versus someone else the better um so you bring up you said it's not about you uh that being said you are a sports fan you are you are a female sports fan. You are a sports fan. You are a baseball fan. You consume content. You put out content. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Um, but with that in mind, how has what you enjoy as a fan and the kind of content you like have helped to influence what you do? You know, with your strategy at the Athletic. Good question. I think I know what it's like to not see representation uh, growing up. So mm-hmm. I am uh, a female, I'm Korean American, and I didn't really grow up seeing a lot of that, especially within the sports industry, right? So it was really mm-hmm. dominated. Um, 
I didn't see a lot of Asian people in sports, uh, at least like the traditional big four in America. So I think as I've gotten more established in my career, I realized the value of that. And um, not just from like a anecdotal standpoint, but also like it's important and people really care about different sports that aren't as well represented. So we still have a long way to go. And I think we always will, but it's really important to me that when people look through our feeds or, you know, our Instagram or our Twitter, they're seeing, uh, well, a lot of different sports and leagues and people represented. So I think that that has been a part of our strategy and something that we take a lot of pride in because we have a lot of writers who can are writing really great stories based on that. And we have a really strong social team who is looking out for really great stories in the WNBA or the NWSL or whatever it may be. So it's something that I definitely take a lot of pride in and I hope that uh, it resonates with people. Do you get any negative pushback? Not that you would listen to it because that would be ridiculous, but that doesn't mean it's not there. So um, do you get any negative pushback or feedback and kind of what is your general philosophy on that? Like there, do you respond? Do you ignore kind of what are your thoughts there? Yeah. From the athletic account, I will ignore. And it's exactly what you would imagine. A lot of times it's like, who cares or what is this Mm -hmm. happening with anything or blah, blah, blah. But I mean, I I think everybody who sees it knows that if someone's writing, who cares, they care. Right. (laughs) Apparently you do. (laughs) You took time out of your day to comment. Me personally, it takes me like a lot to want to comment on something. Like, yeah, you know, so the fact that you're taking time out of your day to do that and whatever, like build our engagement, go for it, buddy. That's fine. Uh, But it is, it is frustrating to see that for sure. From a professional standpoint, I really try to ignore it and be above uh, above that. And then for my personal account, I would say I try to do the same too. I might take a few more liberties there, uh, but just try to be above that. I don't think that there's um, much that can be reasoned with for a lot of people. Like they yeah. never really, you know, like it won't change them from commenting on another post or something like that, unfortunately. Uh, so just try to take the high road unless it's like, particularly bad and I have something to say but right but yeah it can be really frustrating for sure well and the people who are doing that are looking for attention and so if you respond you not you but the universal you gives them attention and so that's kind of a thing that you know I try to remember when I see something um but it's not it's not always easy but I I also think like good advice if you're about to press send and you have any hesitation, just delete it and move on. Great point. Yep. Or count to 10, come back to it, save it in your drafts, come back to it. That's something I've done before. And I don't think when I have felt on the edge about sending something and I save it to my drafts and I come back to it, I don't think I've ever sent it. So it's a good practice for sure. It's like in life. If you're like, should I send the text or should I not? Sometimes writing it in your notes yeah, like that's enough or an email or just drafting it and then being like, okay, I feel fine now. Yeah, especially personally, it's, though, you know, like at least type it out and then be like, this will never see the light of day. I'm deleting it. But sometimes you just got to like air it out. Yeah, which I think is is totally, totally fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, so switching gears a little bit, you have a variety of skills in uh, social media, in marketing. 
in today's world, coming into a position such as your, your own, I don't think I said that very eloquently, or any position in social media or in the world of sports, how important it is to be able to do so many different things? It's really important. So I used to feel like I was at a disadvantage because I felt sort of like a jack or jill of all trades, but I didn't feel like I was really, really good at one thing. And that mm-hmm. kind of bothered me, to be honest. Like, I wish I was a better video editor or social media or photographer or whatever it may be. But as I've uh, kind of gotten older and more established, I realized that that ability to multitask and to speak to a lot of different departments is actually a really valuable skill in and of itself. So that's been really important for me and something that I try to keep up with is making sure that if I'm overseeing a design project or, um, you know, working with our social team or working with a different team at the athletic that I can at least speak the language. I think that that's been really Mm -hmm. important for me. Um, and I never want to like be speaking and asking people to do something that I really can't fully understand myself or at least understand enough to kind of kick off a project. So that's been really important for me. And then I actually have been trying to hone in a little bit on some of my marketing skills. I am in school right now, which is uh, ah. tough. I, If you are ever like, should I go back to school? Or if somebody else listening is like, should I go back to school? I would say no. <laughs> it really, really depends on the person and situation, but it's tough. It's a lot tougher than... I thought it would be in a lot uh, more time consuming, especially in a job like social where you're also, you know, you might have to log on late or check in late or Mm -hmm. something like that. Uh, But I hope that it pays off. I was kind of saying that tongue in cheek, but it is challenging. And, but I do hope that I come out of it uh, a little bit stronger on the marketing side of things and kind of keep the more creative and strategy side from my day to day job too. So the marketing is, I mean, are you in a, like a marketing degree is what you're I saying am. right now? I'm like getting my MBA part-time, it's, okay. uh, it's tough. It's a lot more uh, like analytics focused and quantitative focused compared to what I do now, which I consider myself more creative. I wouldn't say I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm not a full-time designer or, you know, anything like that, but I definitely tend to think a little more creatively probably than uh, analytically sometimes. So I'm hoping that this helps me, but it's definitely like switching gears constantly throughout my week. I'm sure. And that's probably not easy to do. So you bring up actually a few important points there. You're getting your MBA, you have a full-time position, you run a team. Um, and you said, of course, with social in sports, sometimes you've got to log on late. There's no real time off, uh, unless you make that a priority, which I'm recommending everybody does, but how do you personally, Olivia, make that a priority and find some semblance of balance in your life? Yeah. So this is something that's been on my mind a lot recently. And I think it's something that I see a lot in the industry too, is that people my age or younger or whatever, I feel like often are glamorizing working themselves to the bone uh, on on social and never logging off and sort of wearing that as a badge of honor. And I would like to really encourage people that it's not as someone who did it. I I worked crazy hours. I used to work, um, like go in a nine to five and then work games all the time. And it just wasn't sustainable. And I didn't really realize it. So I'm out of it. And I think one argument to not do that 
is that when you take a step back and come back refreshed, first of all, you'll make a lot less mistakes. And as we mentioned, Mm -hmm. uh, social media is very public. So these mistakes are pretty easy to see. (laughs) And then I think too, it just makes me more creative when I come into things, not just more well-rested, but also seeing things out in the world. Uh, You know, you can draw inspiration from a lot of things, but you're not going to draw it by staring at your computer and thinking about the same thing, whether it's Orioles baseball or whatever it is for Mm -hmm. 80 hours a week. It's just, you're not going to gain any outside inspiration that way. And so I would really encourage people who sort of are in my position who can um, take their foot off the gas from time to time to not, uh, like I said, wear working working crazy hours like a badge of honor. I think it's really important that people prioritize their time off and uh, things that they do outside of the job and not finding their full identity within work. And that's something I'm still really learning. It wasn't the way I was in my early 20s, for sure. And I, I think that it's really important that when people are starting in this industry and things like that, I want to be a good example, not just for my work, but for how I can kind of remove myself from it when I need to. And so that's um, a little bit of a rant, I guess, but that's one not thing at all. I really encourage people to, to do is to not always put it on a pedestal and then try to really prioritize themselves when they can. I was going to ask you if you could give someone one piece of advice for starting a career in your industry, what would it be? Would that be it? Or do you have another piece of advice? That's definitely one. I, I think that, you know, there's going to be days where you work really long hours and Uh, weeks where you go in really long stretches and you're tired, but definitely prioritize yourself. Uh, That's one piece of advice that I would give people. Another one I think is um, like learn pretty early on how to handle constructive criticism. I think uh, it's really, really beneficial. And I think it will help you when you're further down your career, especially in a managerial level. It's really important to know how to take and give feedback. So I think I don't think you really know how to give feedback until you know how to take it first. So that would be another piece of advice. Uh, And then I think lastly, this is a piece of advice that I tell a lot of people just starting out is really broaden what you're looking for in an entry level job or an internship. I think for me, I got my start uh, at a broadcast network and I had all the opportunities that I would have had if I would have started at a league or with the team Mm -hmm. and Uh, as far as access goes and relationships that I fostered with people in the front office and players and things like that. So I I would encourage people to think a little more broadly, especially a lot of times smaller uh, organizations and stuff need more help. So you'll get a lot more hands-on experience. I'm totally not discrediting the ESPNs and Bleachers of the World. Amazing, amazing opportunities. But there are, I think, more creative or like other creative ways to get your foot in the door as well. You brought up criticism, which leads me very easily into my next question or very well into my next question. What is one, a constructive piece of criticism that you received? Actually, I'm going to rephrase that a little bit. I'd love to know a constructive piece of criticism that you received that was difficult to take, but has helped you in your career. And then if you have an example of one where you had to say that was hurtful and also not constructive, but you had to just shine it on if you're comfortable sharing that. Sure. Uh, so I guess they sort of go all in one. I was very guilty of, and I would say to an extent still of overextending myself really early in Mm -hmm. my career. And that led to mistakes. Like I would, you know, I've 
forgotten things that I had to do or things like that, which is very fair criticism. If you commit to something and it doesn't happen or it doesn't happen the way that it was supposed to, and that's on your mm-hmm. shoulders. Uh, so that's a time where I feel like very, um, like just criticism was given to me of, you know, people were relying on you and it didn't really work out. Uh, and that's very hard for me to handle as someone who, you know, takes pride in being organized and things like that and facilitating different events. Uh, that was really tough. And then I guess like constructive or maybe criticism that wasn't so constructive and it sort of all comes back to being like a female in the industry of, things that just didn't really matter or being spoken to with these microaggressions that didn't would never happen to other people. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, something as simple as like what I was wearing as an offhand comment or um, like people saying things and me having to take a step back and say, okay, was I actually in the wrong here? I don't think so. So was someone speaking me to me like that because I am really young or because I'm a woman or because I'm Asian. And like that was really hard for me to handle early on in my career for sure. Um, So that's an example I think of where criticism wasn't always fair. And I'm hopefully you don't know, but I'm sure you do as a woman in the industry Mm -hmm. really tough because you're not necessarily uh, given the same not just opportunities, but just the way people are speaking to you is just different than they're speaking to other people. And it can be really hard to navigate for sure of when you should say something back or how you can even respond to things like that. It can be really tough and something that I've had to learn. And I hope that the generations after us don't have to learn that kind of thing because it's not fair, but it happens. It does. And how did you navigate that? You know, I... I don't know if I handled it that well, to be honest, because I think I really, again, same sort of same thing as when I used to take pride in working a lot of hours, I sort of took pride in being like, oh, okay, I can just take it or, you know, like, oh, it mm-hmm. doesn't really bother me. And I don't, I honestly think in the moment, like it probably didn't bother me that much, but now looking back on it, I can see how that affected me. Right. So um, I would just encourage people if they can to, have someone that they can talk to in these situations. I felt like pretty isolated when I started out. I was one of the only women and, uh, you know, I worked in baseball. So a lot of people who work in baseball, like tend to look and think the same way, not always, but, um, at least that's how I I perceived it. So I think if you can find someone that you trust and it doesn't always need to be in person or at the job, but even on something like social media or something can really be helpful for sure. How have you seen uh, in your time in this industry opportunities grow and change for women? And where do you think we can still improve? Yeah. Well, first of all, there can be <laughs> so much more improvement. I mean, the improvements could be like an entire podcast in itself. But <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like a 10 part series. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's definitely getting better. And I would say like I've had instances that have been a real bummer, but generally speaking, I've had a good experience in the industry. I I don't think I would be in it anymore if I w- didn't have this net positive. Um, but I think for me, things it looks like things have changed. I'm not in the day-to-day of baseball anymore like I used to be. But I think it's really important that we continue to see women and people of color elevated to um, like higher and higher roles. So for me, it's it's nice to see 
companies prioritize diversity and when they're hiring, uh, you know, interns and coordinators and things like that that are diverse. But it's really impactful and much more impactful if we're also seeing that at the C-suite level and higher mm-hmm. levels. So when I see someone like Kim Ang of the Marlins, like be promoted and named the GM of the Marlins, like that is really incredible, right? And I think the more that we can see that in um, public facing roles or media things like podcasts and video and stuff, it's just super, super important. I could not agree with you more. Is there a misstep that you're seeing women make coming into the industry that you would like to encourage not to happen. I did not say that amazingly well, but I think you know where I'm going. No, I mean, uh, I, I want to say, and this isn't always the case, but I think that again, another thing that could probably be a 10 part podcast series is I think that when, at least when I started, maybe not consciously, but subconsciously, it felt like there was only so much room for certain people. Um, and I think that that might be the case sometimes, but it's not the case as, it, uh, as much of a case as it was before. So I think like women and other people just need to realize that there are opportunities for everybody in a fair company. And it's not always the way it is, but um, like a lot of times I just see a lot of competitiveness for really no mm-hmm. reason. I, I mean, I shouldn't say for no reason. It's there because probably because of the way that we've been conditioned and thought to think. And when you go in a room and you see one woman and a hundred men, right. That's like may might make you think that way, which is fair. But I do think as more opportunities open for women and diverse voices in the industry, it's really important that we are kind to each other and kind to each other to each other's faces and kind to each other behind closed doors and how we're speaking about other people within the industry to others in the industry is important too. Um, and again, this is something that I'm learning and I would say I'm not perfect here at all. Uh, I still have a long way to go, but it is really important to realize that there are, um, in a perfect world, which we don't live in, but in a increasingly good, uh, industry that mm-hmm. we, there's room for everybody. Can you take us through a day in the life of Olivia Witherite? Oh, gosh. Okay. It's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, but everybody uh, says that, but they're really, it's fat. I think it's very interesting to hear what other people are doing from, you know, on a day to day basis. Yeah. And it's weird now, right? Because everybody's working from home. So it's like, okay, like at noon, I move from my chair to my couch or whatever. <laughs> 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 um, I. I am based in New York, so I am up uh, East Coast hours, okay. and I uh, like will check our feeds and my Slack in the morning, and then kind of start through my day. So my day, at the athletic involves uh, a lot of like social planning, a lot of working with different departments such as our design team, and then a lot of cross department meetings. So figuring out what our social looks like for, through a marketing lens or through a design lens or. Uh, through different sports moments we have coming up, like the NBA draft or whatever it may be. So a lot of meetings, a lot of Zooms these days, um, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure we all have Zoom fatigue. I've really gotten it down to like, I uh, either like no camera sometimes, or I put on like a filter and put a hat on and just call it a day. But, Uh (laughs) but, (laughs) but yeah, a lot of meetings and things like that. And then, like I said, I'm in school part-time. So I do a lot of studying in the evenings, uh, try to work out and 
explore New York when I can. I just moved here in February, so I'm still pretty new. So from, where did you move from? So I moved from San Francisco back okay. home to Maryland for a little bit during the pandemic and then moved up to New York uh, to Brooklyn okay. in February. So uh, weird time to like move my life back across the country, but it's been good. Uh, I think I think I'm an East Coast person. I, uh, okay. I really did like, I liked San Francisco though. I wasn't there too long. I moved out there for the athletic, but uh, it was beautiful and I liked it a lot, but uh, I'm a little closer to family and friends now too, mm-hmm. so it's fun. Awesome. Though I did not mean to interrupt your day. You were telling us oh, about your day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's it. I am not that exciting these days. I uh, try to explore New York when I can. Like I said, I'm still pretty new. But my like actual day-to-day work day is a lot of meetings, a lot of looking at social, combing through what's important, what people are talking about, and then uh, a little bit of school in there, too. So, um you said that it wasn't boring and then I said it out loud and it sounded just as boring as no. <laughs> it really was. It really wasn't though. It really was not. And I got to learn that you just moved to New York. So as did all of our listeners. So there you go. Yes. Um, this is kind of a funny question, but, um, and I've never asked anybody this on the pod before. So I've now oversold it because it's not nearly as exciting as it's about to sound, but I, I think it's kind of a fun one. If you had to pick like your one most favorite thing about what you do in your job, what would it be? My favorite thing working in my job. So I actually love social media. It's funny because I don't know if this is the right answer. And maybe if I thought about it more, I would say something else. But it's funny because I feel like some people who work in social are like, all right, I need a break. And that's great. Like you should take them. I love it. I look at it all the time. When I'm not working, I still look at my Twitter. I still look at TikTok. I still look at YouTube and Instagram. It's like, I think it's really, really fun to work in social and I love sports, obviously. So just the fact that I've been able to marry those two things and do something that I really like is it doesn't, it's not lost on me. I think if I had to do a job that I wasn't passionate about or wasn't something that I was interested in consuming, I would have a really hard time to be quite honest with you. So that's been, that's probably my favorite part. And if you ask me again later, I might say something different, but for now, off the top that's of my okay. head, it's definitely that. Well, I think what, what comes up off the top of your head is often what it really is. That's true. Um, so, so I would say that uh, <laughs> this has been fun. I've loved this conversation. Yeah. This has been awesome, but I can't let you go yet because we have to do five fun facts, which is like my favorite. Um, so um, I think you know this and my listeners, I'm sure sick of hearing this, but this is something I started with the 49ers players where we like do it and they get a chance to like, tell me five things about themselves. But on this podcast, we ask everybody the same five questions every week. And it's great because you get like so many different answers. Love so it. without further ado, five fun facts with Olivia with a right. What is your favorite moment in sports? The 2014 Orioles season. Oh, love it. What is your life motto? Lately, it changes. So my current life motto is to not take myself so seriously. That's probably generally a good life motto for everybody to remember at different stages in their life. Uh, Do you have a go-to workout? I've been really bad lately. I used to love to run. Uh, my body is says no right now. So I just moved to New York. So I really enjoy my long, usually walks around the city. 
That's such a great way to explore the city. Yes. That's how you're going to find like all of your, your favorite spots. Um, With that in mind, do you have a go-to coffee order? I do. It's so basic. An oat milk latte. Uh, So boring. They're good, but they're good. So good. I know. They're so, so yummy. Um, do you have, have you found a favorite coffee place in Brooklyn yet? Uh, yes. Yeah. So I've been, I've been all over. I um, have been a little loyal to Blue Bottle Soul though, probably from my sandals. So good. I know. It's so good. And their matcha. Uh, I love it. No, it's, it's so good that you just, I get it. I, I feel like if I'm anywhere and I see a Blue Bottle, I'm like, oh, okay, it's gonna, I'm going to have a good cup of coffee. Everything is going to be good. Exactly. Nice and consistent. Can't beat it. 100%. And do you have a book that you think every woman should read? Okay, so I actually thought about this because I'm a big reader. And then I had a really hard time narrowing it down. So I will just give you um, a book that I have been reading lately. And I can't remember the name of it now. So now I'm I'm really on the spot. It's by Adam Grant. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, I'm not. He is a psychologist, I think. So he wrote a book and ah, it's called Think Again. It's really great. I would say this isn't specifically for women, but it has really helped me reevaluate. And I guess this could be really important for women in the industry about my imposter syndrome, which I'm sure resonates with a lot of people. Um, But it's really, absolutely, really, really good book. It just came out uh, and it's stuck with me lately, but I always have a book in my hand. So it changes a lot, but that is like a recent one that I think has impacted me a lot. What is your, this is just a bonus question. I'm just curious because I love to read as well. Do you have a favorite genre? I love like contemporary fiction. Uh, so probably that. I read a lot of, I mostly read fiction, but I will okay. listen to nonfiction too. Uh, I don't know if like self-help is the right word because I think that, that like some self-help is not for me at all, but I will mm-hmm. listen to that sort of thing uh, on audio. Okay. But I like to read a lot of uh, like modern contemporary fiction, I think. Uh, I kind of read books the same way a lot of people watch TV. So it's like, even if it's not that good or it's kind of like junky, I use that the same way people use like Bravo or something like that. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. I can accept <laughs> that. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining me, Olivia. This was a lot of fun and, and I learned a lot. I know that our listeners did too. So thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. This was great. Absolutely. And if you guys like what you heard, which I know you did, please make sure to leave us a five-star review because we would really appreciate it. And also, please don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And with that, I'll talk to everybody next week. Bye, y'all. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.